Welcome, everybody. You're listening to Talking Social Studies, Episode 2, The Election, for October 11th, 2016. I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Berlin. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Hey everybody, uh, thanks for joining us again for episode number two. I am one of your hosts for this uh, podcast called Talking Social Studies. My name is Ryan O'Donnell. I'm a technology TOSA in Rockland, California. You can follow me at Creative EdTech. And who else do we have with us? Hi, I'm Chris Hitchcock. I teach world history for a private online high school in Indiana, and my Twitter handle is at chitch 94 I am Amy Presley. I'm a history teacher at Broken Arrow High School near Tulsa, Oklahoma. And my Twitter handle is at STL in OK. Our podcast um, Twitter handle is at Talkin Social Studies, like T-A-L-K-I-N-S-S. And if you go to the Twitter handle, you can get the link to our website until we get the uh, domain set up. And hi, everybody. I'm Scott Padway, uh, also a Tectosa in Pleasanton, California. And you can find me on Twitter at Scott Padway. Um, you know, this has been a really kind of interesting process of creating this podcast, and for a lot of us, it's our first times out here. Uh, so after episode one, anyone have any, you know, ahas or comments about how it went and uh, where, we're, where we're trying to go? Oh, I was just going to say, I was a little nervous about it, but it ended up being a lot more fun than I thought it would be. <laughs> I agree. For me, I, this is very, very new to me, and the process has been pretty, um, very much easier than I thought it would be. Yeah, it's interesting is that the... Uh, People often envision a podcast as a kind of a complicated process, and um, for the most part, it's really kind of just find a tool that can simply record, and and that's the and, and that's the meat of it. The rest of it about getting it up and online is sort of you know there's a couple steps involved there, but the most important part is just be able to get some people to get together and start talking. And it's about the tools, right? This is, I mean, this is our second podcast and second uh, tool we're trying out. It is. So, the, hey, you folks at Zencaster want to give you a shout out. Thanks. They've been very receptive. We've talked to, uh, been talking to them as we're doing my other podcast, Shameless Plug. Check this out. And uh, we have uh, reached out to them, and Zencaster has very much been interested in kind of knowing what um, what they can do for podcasters and other people like us who are who are creating shows. And so we thank them for uh, having this platform out there. And they aren't even paying us. So there's a free ad. Yeah, and you know, I would be uh, – it's interesting this week too because we're not actually looking at each other. Uh, since last week we were on Google Hangouts, we, we could actually visually see mm-hmm. what people were doing. And, um, and so mm-hmm. it will be a little interesting to see. Hopefully we don't step on too many toes. Yeah. Hey, and so for those of you who have checked out episode one, thank you so much for uh, joining us on this journey. And um, if you're a social studies teacher and you have some other people who, uh, other social studies teachers in your department who may find this uh, uh, interesting and rele- relevant to them, please pass it along uh, and kind of walk them through the steps because the other part of the podcasting is the listening piece of it. And it, you, you can't simply just send them the direct link, but uh, maybe try to walk through uh, some of those um those colleagues of yours and say, hey, why don't you set up a podcasting app and check out Talking Social Studies. And by the way, there's so many other amazing shows out there. Whoever you are, you're going to find a niche. You're going to find shows that can entertain and inform you. And it's really sort of a burgeoning, uh, a renaissance because it's been around for a long, long time. So it's neat to be able to see this uh, this um, medium sort of um, 
um, having us, uh, like I said, this renaissance of, uh, of way, uh, much more content that's coming out. And so maybe one of our podcast episodes will have to be about all the podcasts that we really enjoy listening to that inform us as social studies teachers. We'll, we'll add it to the topic bank. Very bad. Oh, I know. Yeah, it is. And if you do, and if you do find a podcast that you love, throw it out on Twitter with use the hashtag, mm-hmm. hashtag podcast edu. Uh, to share, I'll say, hey, I'm checking out this new podcast on whatever it is, XYZ, and somebody else, and check it out. So, and then for those of you also, if you have, if you want to be able to look at and hear some new podcasts, you can be able to search search for that uh, hashtag as well. Awesome. Well, you guys ready to get to today's topic? Um, we are going to be talking. To, we're going to be talking about the election. And you know, I saw an interesting stat the other day uh, that 40% of teachers are hesitant to talk about the election. I mean, we've kind of entered this really polarizing. Uh, era of American politics, and we're going in territory that uh, that we really haven't seen. So a lot of resources about talking uh, about challenging topics, and that's where we're starting with segment one, is we're actually going to look at uh, challenge, addressing challenging topics with and, and Not even necessarily just the election. I, mean, we, I think we've all, as social studies teachers, been in those scenarios where you had, like, how do you begin this conversation? And then how do you have a really meaningful conversation with your students mm-hmm. about topics that are... Um, just very controversial and, and people are very opinionated on and things that just aren't necessarily super comfortable to always be talking about, but you know, there doesn't mean that they're not important yep. to address. Exactly. Yeah. You feel like you're the pilot of the ship. Sometimes when something breaks, they're going to come in and say, can you, I don't know where Syria is what's happening with Syria or the next thing you know, you find yourself trying to be able to navigate. Oh, absolutely. When the kids come in, whatever hits the news is the big story. I mean, the social classes seem to be like a really common one of what do you think? And we're going to talk about it. Fantastic. Well, let me kick off this first one. My first share here is, uh, and I really appreciate this doing this podcast because it, it forced me to kind of go out and look around and try to find some resources and ideas because I've engaged in these challenging topics. And even like Scott, you mentioned, uh, w- one of my good friends, a social studies teacher, I asked him since I'm not in the classroom this year and said, so how, how are you doing with this thing? And he goes, just like you said, Scott, he goes, to be honest with you, I, I tried it and it got weird. And I had, he said he's used to teaching freshmen. Now he's got seniors doing a government class. And he said, I do, it, it's at the point where we don't even, I, I don't even talk about it anymore. And I felt like that was kind of sad. Like you're, this amazing opportunity of these 17 and 18 year old kids who, even though they don't seem like it, but they really need some guidance and some help. Mm. Anyway, so yeah, in, in the searching for this, I looked at uh, a couple different um, resources and I found this one called Facilitating Challenging Conversations from the Teaching Center. And again, it's this thing I've not, I've not really looked at before this teaching center. Has any of you guys ever seen this place before? No, never heard of it. I'm going to look it up though. Yeah. And so at the teaching center, they, they said, Hey, if you're going to be doing some of these uh, conversations, follow these five steps. And this is five steps were one, define your objectives. And I like that. So I like, I'm doing a PBL uh, project-based learning um, a workshop right now. And that's sort of the first thing that, that they're mentioned is like, how can you be able to keep that? You're overriding your, your, your question. What is your defining question? Or here, let me mention your defining objective. And so besides just having a conversation because something came in the news, like let's come up with a plan. Number two was create structure. Give it a, pa- a, 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 a create yourself a path. Number three, establish and maintain ground rules for respectful and engaged interaction. Now, how do you guys, if you don't mind, if, if anybody want to share, how, have you guys done this in your own classrooms? Because I think that's one of the challenges. How can you have kids be able to share with it while still being respectful? I think that's something you kind of work up towards. You start off with conversations where things are not quite so, I mean, you're not going to dive into the deep end, just some really emotional content. You're going to start off the year with something that's just a little less scary and then build that kind of expectation as you go. That's a great point. 
Yeah, because you can talk about things like, oh, what's what's your favorite food? And people are passionate about that, but it doesn't seem quite as mm-hmm. uh, scary to get into or your favorite sports team, that kind of thing. But then, yeah, before you start talking about racial issues or political affiliations and that kind of thing. You know, even even moving into like digital discussions for some of those tougher topics too, as you as you get there, because it's it's a fascinating what people are willing to share, um, you know, through the screen and and through just just typing rather than actually having to say out loud. And as long as you can kind of moderate that and keep it a respectful conversation, it's it's an easy way to get students to open up a little bit more. Absolutely. Like I'll be honest with you, I start with the kids. We do um, more at the beginning, and we kind of spread it out more throughout the year. But we do QODs, question of the day, and. The whole point is that it's not about that argumentative piece. It's not about making everybody agree with you. And they have a hard time with that. They have a hard time. Like, you don't have to agree. We just have to be respectful. Excellent. Yeah, and, and that goes with the, the fourth bullet point, basically. It's about mindfulness. Model open mindfulness and promote learning of different perspectives. So, but I like what you mentioned there at the beginning, Amy, is talk about how, like, let's lay the ground rules and do something totally separate. And as you were talking, I'm thinking, I'm a big Star Wars guy, so I'm thinking, what if we say, like, <laughs> defend you know, t- talk about what was the best Star Wars movie, but instead of just creating a persuasive argument, which we do in you know at so many different levels, but let's listen to others and and almost demonstrate like negative ways. Like I can say, the Phantom Menace that is an awful movie because of Jar Jar, Jar Banks, right? And there's no way I can stand anybody who's going to tell me that that's a decent movie. And then that if you almost you you create those awkward or those wrong conversations to be able to model. The much like a good counselor, right? Oh, start with I statements and not you statements and that kind of stuff. So, well, good. And then the last one here it mentions it says when difficulty arises, give time for reflection. And I think that's something that's really hard to do is to allow time. Time one within the class period, like let's let's walk away from this for a little bit. Then also from like day to day to day, because I think oftentimes we just want to compartmentalize and that this is a lesson. And then now it's Tuesday. Now it's a lesson. It's a great strategy. Yeah, and it's a lot of times the reflection piece is really where the the true learning happens, like that really deep learning that that cha- that changes your whole perception of things is through that reflection piece, and that is so often. At least I know when I was in a traditional classroom, you know, that was the part that oh well, you know, we've only got two minutes left. That's not really enough time to do this. Yeah, yeah, good points. The thing that uh, that really sort of put this at the at the forefront in me was uh was teaching after uh on 9 11 mm-hmm. and going into waking up in the morning you know seeing what's happening and then now having to drive to school and and being completely in disarray and now standing in front of the kids because you know at that point everything is just like although the world has changed dramatically still you know those rituals and those bells are ringing so now it's 7 45 i got a class of kids looking at me and what do you do and it was uh, th- that day was a, a, a extreme challenge. But what also was really challenging was how can we just go and have these kind of conversations once we learned, w- you know, what the causes were and who was behind it and how we can be able to have some kind of conversations. And I think back then there was a lot of really interesting conversations we had about, um, um, you know, uh, Islamophobia and all that kind of stuff. And so that really kind of helped define me the idea of how we can really sort of think about having these conversations and be respectful of everybody. Yeah, and I know being on the East Coast for 9-11 and teaching, you know, as literally as it was happening was quite the ch- – I was grateful 
that I had another teacher, a very a much more experienced teacher. I, was, I had a planning period the same time he did, and he talked me kind of through some strategies for how to deal with this. Yeah. Um, you know, we were all kind of flying by the seat of our pants because, of course, nothing had really happened like that before. But yeah. Yeah. that, but um, kind of related to what you were saying, Ryan, um, I'm going to kind of spin you know, in a, in a slightly different direction, but with some, uh, not really a different direction, but kind of the same direction, but with a few different resources that are also um, geared towards helping teachers have laid the, kind of laid the foundation for having challenging conversations in class. Um, the website Teaching Tolerance, um, people are probably familiar with them and their work. They have an actual publication called Let's Talk um, that teachers can access um, that is really all about you know, facilitating challenging conversations and working with students, laying the groundwork for these things. Um, on the Facing History and Ourselves website, um, they actually have a lesson plan that was geared around teaching Ferguson, the events of Ferguson, Missouri in 2015. So it's really focused on race, but I think it could be used for almost any topic. You could um, basically it you kind of start with this discussion of, you know, how do you guys get information and, you know, do, what kind of social media platforms do you use to get information? And then, um, you know, kind of like where the information comes from, what misconceptions can arise, you know, what kind of issues arise from getting information from social media. But then it kind of focuses in on, okay, let's start with a very private journaling exercise. You're not going to share this with your teacher. You're not going to share this with anybody else in the class. This is just for you. Yeah. And, and it's a prompt. Like I feel blank when race is the conversation, but think about, you know, like with the election, I feel blank when sexual assault is the topic of the conversation, or I feel blank when, you know, whatever, um, is the topic of the conversation. And then you, you know, you kind of talk, then you, after everyone's had a chance to kind of write out something, then you put the students in small groups, you brainstorm. What are some of the feelings that come to mind when people are engaged in a conversation about this topic? Um, and then, you know, you talk through what, what, which of these feelings are invalid? which is really nothing, which are these feelings are strong and kind of scary, all of them. So when we're talking about this topic, we need to understand all of mm -hmm. us in this room that all these feelings are in here. And, you know, that kind of makes it plain for everybody. Um, and then you can go through and, t and work with the students towards creating a contract for talking in the classroom about these ch a challenging topic um, that they kind of help. What do, you, what, do mean, what, do by, what do you mean by a contract? Well, it would be like an agreement that the class has. You know, if somebody brings up, if somebody says something in a way that's painful, what is the process for dealing with that? You know, if somebody can't. Gotcha. So you're creating, you're creating your, own, yeah, your own social contract. Yeah, for this, for the kind of your then. norms of conversation. Yeah. Yeah, norms. Yeah. Interesting. I really like what you mentioned in there too, because we just talked about reflection and that's what that journaling activity really does. It gives you opportunity to be able to, to, uh, to write that. But I like how you, it, it's guided about using the, the blanks. I feel about blank when blank happens. Hmm. Yeah. And I think it's really helpful too, when the students, it's not just the teacher saying, when we talk about challenging topics, we're going to use this process. And, it, you know, 
where, where this really gives the students much more of a say in, okay, how are we going to deal with, you know, if some, somebody's going to say something, it's going to step on someone's emotional toes, mm-hmm. you know, so how are yeah. you going to react to that, both as the person with the hurt feelings or as the person who said something hurtful, even if you didn't intend mm-hmm. for it to be? You know, that's really important because I think that, you know, the conversations can escalate themselves so quickly. Mm-hmm. And so having to really think about, a, you know, your feelings about it. So it's not just that you've been caught up in heat of the moment, but also knowing how to respond to those, uh, you know, those comments that do really push your buttons in a way that's appropriate, that, that doesn't really continue adding fuel to the fire. Yeah, because you know at some point, I mean, we've all been in these conversations. It's awkward and nobody talks and it's feel very regimented and do this and let's fill this out. Now tell me how you feel. And it's all like sort of, and then all of a sudden, bang, it just opens up. And then, you know, you're like, you're riding a bull that just got let go. And you're like, well, how can I be able to reel that back? But still keep, still keep the, the conversations real. Yeah, Amy, let's have you share next. Okay. I, uh, while kind of thinking about our topic this week, I was thinking along the lines of like, how do you get started? with those kind of difficult conversations because we all like, we, we know like the end game of what we want, but how do we get it started? And I stumbled across an old kind of blog post um, from the library of Congress where they were kind of sourcing from other teachers about how to have those conversations, those emotional or difficult topics in class and how you can kind of start the concept using primary sources about how, you know, you can talk about say, the war in Iraq, which, you know, a couple of years ago was really, really touchy, but still, you know, on the table today is kind of a difficult topic. And how you can take, say, a Toby Keith song and a Black Eyed Peas song that are familiar and the kids are, you know, it's, it's not completely foreign. And then you mm-hmm. chose to talk about lenses and, you know, how you can consider using pop culture as a way to open up that door and kind of guide that conversation. And just basically how you have to model, model, model all those, um, that kind of diving in. Like, it doesn't matter what kind of document we're talking about, a picture, a photograph, a a song, or a long journal entry, you have to model. What a great idea using both Toby Keith and the Black Eyed Peas. That's a great comparison because they have, uh, not agendas, they have... uh, What a different audiences, which is Yeah, totally different audiences, and they... Yeah, and they have messages. These songs are just not about, you know, like normal pop songs. I mean, they're trying to say something and two, two radically different looks at those. Well, it's interesting, too, you know, right? And just going back historically, I mean, obviously amazing current topics, but, right, we've seen songs throughout history. I mean, the counterculture songs during the Vietnam War that have come out. And, you know, diving into music, again, we got maybe another topic on the horizon. I just thought that. I just thought that was someone's going over there. We got to talk about music and soul studies, man. But, you know, I mean, you talk about music and, and it, again, it, it reaches different learning modalities for your students and it creates kind of some awesome, awesome opportunities. I just added it. It's, it, it's, it's in our topic bank. Of it's going to have to happen. Yeah. And it's something that doesn't usually appear very threatening to people, even though it can, like you said, open up a a challenging conversation. But at least it's kind of an entry point that most people are comfortable going into or experiencing. Let's do something different on that one. Let's do like like, songs are often, you know, people love to create lists of songs. Maybe we'll do something like your top three songs of this or your top five. I love lists. Something. I don't know. Yeah. I'm really excited about talking about music, though. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, also, hey, well, we'll get off topic a little bit, but yeah, but great conversation about Scott about using music. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be fun. Um, but I guess let's uh, let's take a look as we go down the list here. Um, the New York Times has done some kind of interesting things out now, uh, really looking at 
again, the language that's being used and trying to frame an appropriate conversation. So if all else fails and you're not, you know, you don't want to take the conversation there with your kids, they've got kind of a moderated discussion online. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to get kids to share uh, posts about difficult issues and just highlighting some of those. And so they've got a few hundred uh, comments on, on different uh, articles and things that they have about issues like immigration and climate change and such. But they also in there have some ground rules to look at, and there's actually a pledge that they link to through Teaching Tolerance uh, to get you know students to agree basically to engage in civil discourse um, as opposed to you know kind mm-hmm. of really some of this charged stuff that we're getting, getting them to explore the issues and practice empathy, um, using evidence to support their claims, and ultimately just trying to become better listeners. Wow! Imagine um, how life would be good if we we're all much more focused on civil discourse. I'm just like, oh. yeah. <laughs> and for the kids, I think what a great lesson for us kids to learn to be able to, that it's not necessarily about wh- what I feel and I believe that how can other people have the rights to be able to say or have different opinions. And I think the whole Colin Kaepernick thing, that's another great opportunity to have some really interesting and challenging conversations. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I mean, using the platform that he has, to make a statement, whether you agree or disagree with what he's doing, it's definitely started the conversation for people. Um, yeah, did you guys even see too what Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg came out? Was it yesterday or today? And put out her her opinion on it. And it's interesting as a Supreme Court justice, we usually think of these people they shouldn't necessarily have public opinions. And she, uh, so that's kind of a new thing that, that the notorious she is throwing down. Yeah, hers was straight up. Yeah. Straight up. <laughs> Yeah. And what'd she say? She thought like she went with the sixth grade, like it's stupid. What's <laughs> <laughs> well, something for more of a eloquent, you know, stance on that, but all right. From the bench. Yeah. So New York times, this looks really interesting. I've not seen this before. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a great God, place to, you know, kind of push your students there and Hey, if they get highlighted on the New York times and throw some extra credit their way, um, but, you know, it's also cool when they get to see their responses contributing to a much larger conversation and, and you're going to get people representing all different regions of the country, too. Yeah. And I think. Oh, I was just going to say, I think for people that, that teach in more isolated communities, too, you know, or where you may have like a very homogenous community, that this gives them a chance to interact with people with a diverse array of viewpoints. And if you think about it, play devil's advocate, we all live in those communities because even if you are diverse then you lack yeah that's a really good point what homogenous societies are like right so no matter who you are there's other people that you don't you don't hear like oh we're in like you know we're in downtown new york and we get a little bit of everything well it's not you don't know what it's like in kansas city that's a really good point very true interesting very true yeah i love the top i love the topics that they have here like these are the things that kids should be thinking about and particularly at the high school level immigration gun control climate change race gender identity yeah no you know it, it's also nice too that the new york times is kind of doing some type of moderation mm-hmm. on that so it's not just these anonymous blog posts as we mm-hmm. get moving in towards digital citizenship week uh coming coming down the road here in october you know, we, we really need to teach these skills. And there's unfortunately a lot of places that, that don't moderate, uh, you know, anonymous comments and posts. And it, and it makes it very difficult because you can just get somebody in there trolling and uh, really, yes. you know, taking advantage of, of the forum. Mm-hmm. 
Really cool. But, uh, really cool. All right, well, what's next? Should we here? roll in, Ryan? This is you, man. Election stuff. Let's uh, let's move into segment two and give the people some some other sources to look at. Yeah. So we're t- so we thought section two will be about how to teach this specific election, besides necessarily just critical conversations. And so the first one I wanted to share was uh, this election is all about, as like every election, is about the electoral votes, right? And you need to get to that magical number two seventy to win this thing. And if you haven't seen it, 270 to win is a phenomenal resource, which is, uh, gives visual maps, red red and blue of the uh, electoral map showing how close each of the contestants are to getting, uh, to getting that magic number 270. And so if you go there now, it's, they're they're showing you what it's like on, on um, October the 11th in terms of the States that pretty much that Clinton and Trump have already kind of secured in a lockdown looking at, uh, uh, polling. And so what are those in between ones? And what's really nice on these is you can click on the different, um, yeah, that's cool. Uh, the, uh, so, uh, the, the different States. So let's say, okay, Pennsylvania is a big state and right now it's undecided. So if you click it once, it goes red and it turns Trump's numbers to 183. If I click it again, now it switches to, uh, uh, Hillary Clinton's and her name n- number jumps up to 220. And so you can really kind of play like the CNN guys who are saying, what if this flips and if she gets Florida and he gets Georgia and all that kind of stuff and allows you to be able to have the opportunity to kind of see how the electoral kind of uh, system works and why it's why uh, those swing states really are so important. Yeah, I mean, this is an awesome tool, even even if you weren't looking at it in the context of this election, but being able to go back historically and just trying to like oh recreate you know political maps and what do you notice about different regions of the country and how votes count in certain areas and how many you know how many small states would equal a big state this is this pretty cool resource i was saying you're like the plant in the audience scott because if you go if you go to the tab president and you go to hover down then it goes to historical elections and under historical elections that there is so telling when you click on that it shows every presidential election and you could your kids can get it you're like oh i, I can tell color all right, 1984, the entire map except for Minnesota is red. So Reagan won pretty handedly. And even two, so if you click on any of those old maps, try this. You can change those. That's a, uh, that's awesome. Even looking in the 1968 when George Wallace ran and, and the states mm-hmm. he took in the south, I mean, that's that's pretty fantastic. You know, it's not often. I mean, that opens a different conversation about third parties and, and their role it in does, our, yeah. our system. So you could go back and change any of the old maps, and you could go back to the Whig Party and all that kind of stuff. And that's not just president, and there's more. You can go to Senate races, House races, the interactive maps on that one. So that's called uh, – that's all these things are – what's that? 270 to win. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Awesome. All right. So I'm going to sk- – I had a couple other ones, but for the, I'm, I'm going to let you guys jump in here and see what some of your, your shares are. I'm sorry. I was still playing with 270 to win. <laughs> I got distracted. Um, well, I have um, had the pleasure of working with um, someone from PBS Election Central, just uh, very tangentially, but uh, that's kind of what drew my attention to this several months ago. But PBS has put together this awesome set of resources about almost every aspect of the election that you could want. Um, and they've and what makes it really cool is that they've partnered with their at least I don't know if they're technically partnering, but they have resources from other great providers of content that many of us as social studies teachers have probably used. For example, they have a section called the election process and they have several crash course and government um, videos listed there along with some other things. Um, they also have um, some 
information from Newzella, um, the Global Oneness Project. So, I mean, there's just a lot of different resources there. So it's not just, you know, I mean, there's obviously a lot of PBS content there too. They link you to like front frontline videos and things like that, but they really are kind of covering a lot of bases here. Um, and just if you go to the site and you look down the menu or the nav navigation thing on the left, they have a collection of election resources. They have things about the election process, um, things focusing just on the debate. Um, they even give you a classroom debate toolkit, um, an electoral decoder, an interactive map, kind of similar probably to what we were playing with with 270 to win. So there's also virtual field trips that are related to the election, things like Monticello and you know Mount Vernon and things like that. So or at least U.S. history and past elections. But yeah, it's it's a, a great site. And um I'll, I'll try to add to the show notes. I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, but I'll try to add the Twitter handle of a person that is pretty active on uh, Twitter um, and is usually really quick to interact with social studies teachers that have questions about the resource. All right. Well, um, after seeing, you know, we were all kind of preparing for the show and kind of sharing our resources so we didn't double dip. I realized as I was late to the table that Chris and Ryan had already kind of laid claim to two of my favorites. Um, so I went a slightly different direction. Um, and really was kind of like with this particular election, we have a lot of issues with social media and kind of um, twisting the facts. Now, I mean, that's with every election, but it really seems like blatant. And I don't care that, you know, I haven't fact checked what I'm sharing um, when it comes to the, you know social media and news sources and things like that. So really, um, I thought about kind of how do we how do we kind of fact check ourselves? Um, when it comes to the debates and stuff, you can, you can definitely go to some of those, um, some of those famous, you know, kind of fact checking websites. But, you know, even some of our news sources are becoming clearly one sided or the other. And we seem to have kind of lost that, that middle ground of showing both sides. So, um, it seems like that was a conversation we really kind of needed to have with the kids with this specific election. But as far as, you know, the election, like resources for teachers, um, I would spend some time looking at the C-SPAN classroom stuff because they, they break down, you know, all the history stuff like PBS does and, and a few other sites. I'm sure the History Channel has theirs going too. But what I liked about C-SPAN classroom was when you came to like the debates from this last weekend, you can break it down by question. You don't have to have like the full like hour and 40 minutes or whatever of the debate, but it lists the questions that are asked. Mm -hmm. And then you can click on a question and just get that, you know, eight to 11 minute section. So you can have a conversation with kids about, you know, fact checking and then pull up, you know, both candidates talking mm -hmm. about one particular question of, like, did they answer it? Let's chalk the facts they brought up. And you could take, you know, instead of doing the whole big thing, you could, you know, break it down into something a little more manageable. Well, that's a really great way, too, if, if there's certain topics that you're just a little hesitant to really get into in, in your classroom, um, you get to pick what yeah, you want to Yeah, you can totally about. pick something safer. Yes. <laughs> I really like their uh, – they had a graphic organizer, oh, wow. too, that students could access. I think it was a Google document that uh, – to where they could like take notes or something during the debate. Like if you'd ask the students to watch a debate, um, then they could – identify the different questions and what the key responses were of each uh, participant in the debate. So they have a lot of great resources. That's fantastic. That's really cool. Yeah, the whole social media piece. I just saw last week I was down in Southern California in San Dimas and I was talking to some social studies teachers and one uh, government teacher talked about how he did a live um, 
Twitter chat with his students. He said most of the seniors, I mean, most kids are not familiar with what a Twitter chat's like. So he walked them through how to do a Twitter chat. And then he used his own hashtag, you know, his high school gov and his last name and uh, invited uh, like his principal and superintendent. And the superintendent was even joined in as well. And he definitely had to lay the groundworks about um, what you guys are sharing. And, one of the, and just like we talked about earlier today about those critical conversations. And I wasn't part of this, but he raved about how interactive it was. And it was nice to be able to see these kids interacting with this uh, live event that was happening in a, in a, in a very sort of a, a adult and, you know, um, um, uh, what's more a professional kind of a way, I guess. I would say uh, a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago with the first debate, um, because it landed on a Monday night, the Teach Like a Pirate chat is at the same time. And so they oh. created, it was really cool what they did. They gave a list of like, I don't know, 50, 60 topics that might come up. And you had to create your own bingo card out of it, like five by five. And you had to take a picture of it and post it on the hashtag. And then it was a live bingo game during the debate. And it was a lot, kind of lighthearted cool. fun, but it created a lot mm -hmm. of side conversations that were really cool. That's interesting. You know, I looked at those uh, bingo cards that you'd shared last time. And I immediately thought that we needed to make our own, but I feel like you can come up with, you know, a pretty great digital citizenship uh, bingo card or just citizenship bingo card, I guess, in terms of, uh, you know, behaviors that we're looking for in, in our leaders too. Oh, that's, true. that's awesome. Um, hey, if uh, we keep going down the list, so I, I, I want to send you back to the teaching tolerance, but specifically the election resources that they've curated for you. And, and just like Amy and Chris's resources, I mean, there's just, a wealth of stuff out there, and a lot of these are kind of curated lists of just really fantastic places to go. Um, but there's a few things that they have on here, and, and you can kind of break it up into countering bias, civic activities, getting along, how-tos, um, but I'm specifically going to look at the election sites, uh, but they're all, all those topics are kind of themed around, around the election. And they had some really kind of interesting things. Um, there's a song that was written called The Children Are Listening and uh, a speech by one of the representatives from California talking on the House floor about uh, bullying and bullying that we're seeing, you know, within within the election um, going on. Uh, there's some great things that come out of the museum that I know we discussed last week. Um, and again, more just fantastic resources. Um, but one place that I do love to send people is iCivics, uh, and they have a ton of games and different things about the process um, that are really kind of geared for all grade levels and all ages. Uh, and I believe it was actually funded by uh, or founded by uh, the former Justice Sandra Day O'Connor in Supreme yep. Court. Um, and just some really kind of fun things that kids can explore on their own and they can kind of play with uh, as we look at the election. Very student friendly this side is too. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically, I mean, the games and, and they're fun. Uh, they're, you know, you can run your own uh, presidential campaign and learn about all the different kind of components along the way. Um, and then teaching tolerance just has some great things to really continue help you bridge in the gap as we were talking about earlier. As usual, I, I find myself in this, we're only on episode two, but I've spent most of my time, you know, opening up all these links you guys have shared and, and, and dabbling around and thinking about, God, I want to look at that. I want to share that. I want to be able to spend some time over here. Yeah, it really, it really is a wormhole, right? I mean, you can just go, you can it just is, go straight yeah. down, and uh, you know, hopefully, everyone out there listening, just you know, you just got to pick. You just gotta pick. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, pick. Yeah, pick your one thing. But I know that you're 
with, with teaching tolerance and they were, we were talking earlier about like the civility and things like that. I just uh, wanted to give a little plug. If you want to check the social studies chat, uh, the Twitter chat archive at sschat.org backslash archives. Um, there, we had a special not Monday on a Tuesday uh, session last week and it was hosted by facing history and teaching tolerance and it was all oh, about really? creating wow. a more civil classroom this election season so i totally forgot about it until just this moment sorry um but yeah if you, anybody wants to check that out i'm sure lots of great resources were shared in that as well fantastic because that's the true challenge from this the, the, this election that we're in right i mean these two candidates this the and, and their supporters have we have the civility has definitely gone in decline yeah. And so then how can we sit, how can we sit there in, in, in your social studies classroom and be able to say, well, hey, you know, do what I say, not what our, not what the candidates are doing. Yeah, well, we're also at an interesting point, too, with, you know, technology and the way it's changed everything. I mean, Obama was the most photographed president in, in our history. And you mm-hmm. can bet whoever comes next is even going to, uh, you know, trump that in in terms of hey. I don't know, right nice see what i did there <laughs> yeah. um, but in, so but in terms of you know the social media presences that we have to have and it's a very different ball game than it was back in 1960 when they had the first televised debates between between nixon and kennedy mm-hmm. um yeah which was funny because you know depending on whether you listen to it on the radio or you watched it on, on television you know you had a different uh perspective on who you thought won mm-hmm Good talks, people. Good talks. In the end, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, the, the big, jo- why I love this subject is because our job is to be able to help create an informed citizenry. And this is, there's, there's a lot on our shoulders and it's kind of fun to be able to be part of these, um, the development of kids and, and, and as these topics arise. Yeah. Well, should we jump into segment three, social studies today? Um, and just kind of Social studies today. Yes. Yes. Just uh, an opportunity to share some current stuff that's going on around the world of uh, social studies. I'm going to do the opposite. I'll kick it off, and I'm going to do not social studies like current, but I'm going to do when it, when we said today. I'm thinking of like today, today, like this day in history. And one of my favorite websites for so many reasons is Wikipedia. And I know it's like the bane of existence of librarians and English teachers thinks it's the devil, but it is so <laughs> awesome. Sorry, librarians, it's so awesome because if you think go back to like the the Enlightenment. When the encyclopedia first came around, it was the these enlightened thinkers trying to be able to take all of all of that we know about us as a civilization and let's put it into a book. And then we realized that's impossible, right? We can't know everything. <laughs> well, we can't. I mean, that's what Wikipedia is. It's everything. And the great part is it's written by us. And that's also the bad part is that it's written by <laughs> us because we get both, right? But you get the good and the bad and and and. And if anybody's interested, there's a lots of great talks about Wikipedia and how they do try to be able to police themselves. And it's not necessarily just anybody can post and you can slander and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of sort of built-in sort of fail-safes in there. Uh, but it's a really interesting conversation, a, a, a great uh, a resource that we use every single day. Nobody pays for it. I, by the way, you should. I do pay for it every so often <laughs> when they put up there. I totally recommend that if they offer some, if they ask for some money, throw them a couple bucks. Because it's everything. It's amazing. You want something, boom, you go to Wikipedia. Anyway, side note. One of, the, one of my favorite pages on Wikipedia is today, which means it's October the 11th or it's October 12th. If you go to Wikipedia and you type in the day, you're going to get an awesome list of everything that ever happened on that day. You're going to find famous events. You're going to find births and deaths. And it's just – it's 
And all of them, of course, like the amazing part of Wikipedia is they're all linked to things. So if it says, hey, today was the day that Coca-Cola was invented, the word Coca-Cola is linked and it's going to take you there. So if you're ever interested in being able to just say a kickoff for your social studies um, um, classroom, what happened today is you can go down that wormhole. And I spent I spent a year in this wormhole trying to get every, what was, I thought, the, the best world for my AP history class, what was the most AP world history-ish of event that happened this day. And so I created uh, I created a giant document with all of these things and an image that went along with each of them. And then I had a super nerdy techie kid actually create a, a, a computer code, which that updated my website every night at midnight and and changed those. So on my main page on my site actually put the an image and the date in history. Nice. And that was really cool. But then we had to get rid of it because we went to Schoology. So that's my this day in history. Wikipedia is fun. Well, I'm, I was just scrolling through the birth, so I went ahead to make sure my girl Eleanor Roosevelt was listed on there because I posted oh, about her on Facebook because today is her birthday. Look at that. And was it there? Yeah, it was. So go Wikipedia. All right. Go Wikipedia. <laughs> I have some serious arguments with my students sometimes who are like, Wikipedia, you know, you shouldn't get information from that. I'm like, why not? Uh-huh. And and I think they're just like, whoa, teacher, that's not anti-Wikipedia. Yeah. I'm like, well, you know, it's not. It shouldn't be your end all and be all. That good grief, people. All right, moving along. My, <laughs> moving my, along. <laughs> moving right along. My uh, my today in history isn't necessarily like super current either, but I felt it was kind of appropriate with the election discussion. Um, it's an article from Nature about the secret history of ancient toilets. Toilets. Um, all right. <laughs> Now we're going into bathroom humor. Here we go, boy. Exactly. (laughs) You know, leave it, leave it to me to keep the conversation, you know, at a high level here. But you know, seriously, when I was a kid and I used to read Little House in the Prairie books, you know, they tell you so much about their daily life, but you never find out anything about how they go to the bathroom. Like, and you know, all the kids want to know that kind of stuff. I I think about it every time I'm watching Survivor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Everybody's going to deal with it, people. But anyway, and it's, so- <laughs> and it's funny. You think about kids, how honest they are. The younger the kids are, those are the questions that they ask. Where'd exactly. they go to the bathroom? When you exactly. go to like a Mount Vernon or whatever, you're like, where's the bathroom? <laughs> hey, those are pretty fancy That's there for the time. I'm just saying. <laughs> I did not get to check that out the one time I've been to Mount Vernon. So obviously I'm going to have oh, to yeah, go we back got the whole, like, you know, explore tour. a little further. Kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. Really? And it, and, it, and it was more than something that involved a shovel? Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at the picture here. You got the great Roman toilet there. That's awesome. Yeah. And so it's kind of cool because it goes into not just like the history of, you know, like the actual history of ancient toilets themselves, but also the kind of the history of how the study of toilets and what's left in them and things like that came to be oh. a little bit more accepted. And then what all kinds of stuff you can learn about a society or a group of people from what, what they leave behind. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> Interesting. So <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool, and I'm going to be sharing it with my students. I like it because we usually do that like archaeology is you look at the stuff people threw away. Well, the mm-hmm. toilet is yeah. kind of the same thing. It's kind of the ultimate throwaway, people. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Going into episode two, I'm thinking, oh, we're not going to never even cross my mind. We talk about toilets. I'm there just keeping go. it real. Love it. Well, no, what I feel do you like I'm like being Debbie Downer here because I went all serious. Um <laughs> Well, I, you know, it's been the news. Yeah. We give you we all get a little bit of everything, right? Um, 
So my, my topic was that I pulled in was kind of Columbus Day or as some states are moving toward Indigenous Peoples Day and how, you know, recently several governors have kind of tapped these orders of changing the holiday. And what is this and what's the history behind it? And, um, so historynewsnetwork.org uh, did uh, had a variety of articles, kind of like different things going on in different areas of the country. And um, some of them were, you know, editorials and some of them were like true news articles, but it was kind of a collection of stuff that was kind of interesting in how different areas are looking at it. Um, it's kind of cool. I'm clicking on this now here. Huh. Yeah, I wonder if there's uh, any correlations between like the electoral maps and the maps of states of where these kinds of like changes are happening stuff. as far as yeah. how Columbus Day is maybe switching to or not. And how we've taught, and even how we as in education have, have taught Columbus Day and how it's changed. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, I'm just scrolling down this list here and, uh, and, and I see, you know, Snowden to kill or not kill, which I think is going to move right into, into, <laughs> into my nice question segue. of the day. Um, <laughs> You know, and I wasn't going to go with kill or not kill, but, you know, patriot or traitor or hero or hacker. So, you know, last month in September, the Snowden film, Oliver Stone's uh, film came out. And I haven't actually seen it yet, but I was on, on Facebook. And shout out to my seventh grade uh, core teacher, Ms. Moody from Lincoln Middle School. You know, lifelong teacher out there posting the question. You just saw the Snowden movie and, uh, you know, patriot or traitor. Um, and so it got me thinking about it, but really what not great opportunity to bring in, you know, a DBQ for your kids and have them either with some sources, uh, that they can use to support their claims uh, on whatever side, you know, they fall on, whether they think, uh, what he did was, you know, really the work of a hero or a hacker. That's a really cool idea. I hadn't thought like the DBQ kind of approach, but that's yeah, awesome. maybe we'll pull some resources for everyone together. But I mean, there's so much out there good. online, and uh, I would say if you do, if you do end up on Wikipedia, which I do love, by the way, but there are there are some guidelines on certain things that are worse to look at on Wikipedia. I bet you get a fantastic timeline of the events that happened, but it may be oh, one yeah. of those mm-hmm. where uh, where you have to pay a little attention to some of the more politically charged language that comes in. Um, they say politics is one of the worst things for Wikipedia, actually. I'm sure. Uh, it is, yes. You, get, you know, you get so many people in there who, who are just, again, trying to slant everything in, in their direction. Hey, here's a quick fun game. If you get your kids on the computers and you're like, hey, they're going to Wikipedia, you're like, okay, here's a game. Have you guys ever played Six Degrees of Wikipedia? <laughs> yes. So you give yes. two completely random topics. And who can get to from topic one to the other topic in the least number of clicks? Try to get there within six. So, like, Ladybugs and Saddam Hussein. <laughs> ready, set, go. Wow. That is and, all you, and the only thing you can do is you can't type. You have to use the internal links within the Ladybug page. That is To be awesome. able to get out. And it's a really sort of a way to be able to think about how to be able to go from a, a small subject to a broad subject yeah. and then back in. So you're going to kind of go out. You're going to look and say, oh, okay. You know, at some point, can you find a link that, hey, ladybugs in North America. Oh, North America. Then there's a link to one of the largest countries in North America is the United States. Click on the United States. United States uh, in, in engagement in foreign wars. Okay, click. And uh, in Iraq and Saddam Hussein and done. That's really cool. That's kind of a – yeah, because I think a, a lot of kids get so bogged down and like you had mentioned earlier, getting into – wormholes, so to speak, on particular mm-hmm. sites, and that really kind of helps them get a sense of how you can 
you know, that's one way to kind of navigate things or look for connections mm -hmm. where you think there are none. Yeah. And also to be able to, they learn about how Wikipedia even is too. Mm -hmm. like, I mean, how each article is kind of laid out. Yeah. No, I, I think it's really helpful too and powerful to be able to make those connections, right? I mean, if we can draw connections historically to, you know, from, from one time period to another or one event to another, I mean, that's really what we're trying to do studying history is we're trying to figure out how, you know, World War II has influenced the political landscape that we exist in today. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what you're doing. You're just doing it with maybe topics that, you know, are even more broad, like Saddam Hussein and Ladybugs. Yeah, nice. Hey, I love the idea. This, this whole Snowden thing that you mentioned too, Scott, ties in with kind of what we're talking about. Like that is a, that's a critical, crucial conversation in which that people can get, have one side or another. And so you can use some of those same techniques we talked about earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think I, I think we may be done. The end is nigh. With episode two. With episode two. So, what do you guys think? Any any last shares out about about how to be able to teach this upcoming election or how to teach politics in general? Nope. Wear your helmet. Thank you, folks, you've been listening to episode number two of Talking Social Studies. This is the election. Thanks a lot for joining everybody, and we'll see you next time. Men will still say. This, but have violent power.